The things that we have in our heart that we think are impossible are often just milestones waiting to get accomplished if you can push those limits. Listen, everything was impossible until someone did it, so you can either hang around people that tell you it can be done, or hang around people that inspire possibilities. Welcome to the Path to Unlimited, weekly interviews with entrepreneurs, athletes, artists, those that inspire possibilities. And I'm your host, Julian Marion. Well, welcome to the Path to Unlimited. This is Julian, and today I have Karina Essa. Karina, welcome to the Path to Unlimited. Thanks for having me. We're excited. Well, Karina is actually in Australia, so she is far from Texas. <laughs> also, I'm, I'm give you a quick little intro on uh, who Karina is. So she's a social media marketing strategist and educator. Uh, she's known internationally as the go-to person when it comes to social media marketing. She owns a social media marketing company, helping businesses around the world just leverage the power of social media without doing any of the legwork. That just sounds awesome. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, Karina, again, welcome. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share you know, with our listeners? Well, that I've got a few great tips for them uh, lined up, and uh, I hope that my story will inspire them to uh, do greater things. Awesome. So, I know you, you, you know, you have this business, right? And we know it's like as entrepreneurs, small business owners, that, um, you know, every day is a different day. <laughs> some days are good, some days are bad, some days are both, you know? So, do you have kind of like a, either a mantra or a motivational quote, something that kind of just refocuses you? you know, in the morning or whenever it gets tough? Absolutely. I have one that has been with me uh, for quite a few years. In fact, when I first started, which is, if she can do it, so can I. And it started first when I attended a an internet marketing seminar. And at, at the time, I was unemployed, really broke, no self-confidence whatsoever. I thought I was, you know, a loser and um, a, a waste of space at the time. I had had my self-confidence quite um, battered, if you want. And, um, and I remember seeing someone on stage sharing a great story of theirs. It was a, a lady, a very nice lady. And uh, she had achieved great things in her internet business. And I remember looking at her and thinking that we were quite similar as people. And, and I thought to myself, well, if she did it, so can I. And then as, as years went by, um, I realized that I met even greater women. And, um, and when I started becoming friends with them or spending time with them, I realized that, again, we had a lot of similarities. And that mantra, if she can do it, so can I, has stayed with me ever since. I love it. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember the, Steve Jobs when he shares that, you know, whenever you realize that everything around you was created by people just like you, right? It, to me, it's just like, you're right. I mean, the TV, the lights, the computers was created by someone just like me, you know, not any smarter. That means that I can create something that other people are going to use as well. So I think it kind of goes with what you said. Yes, how interesting. I didn't know he said that. He's a very smart guy. <laughs> yeah, he's been very, you know, uh, you know, I was I was actually watching one of his the documentary on his life where he really, you know, when they go back and just like, you know, his story and and he was really, you know, interested in, in the meaning of life and design and, you know, the experience that people have more than just business 
what most most people know him for <laughs> for business, you know. So love it. All right, so um, clarity on a compelling future. You know, what is your why? Like, what gets you up in the morning? I have this vision where I'm uh, going to create a a multi million dollar company, so that um, I've I've always wanted to help orphans. It's something that uh, I I told my my husband before we got married. I told him when we decided to get married. I have to warn you. I really want to make a difference when it comes to orphans, and um, and he was great. And I wasn't going to settle with anyone who wouldn't be on the same wavelength as me because I, you know, I could see that quite easily because I was so passionate about that topic that we could grow apart. So I was lucky enough to have a very supportive uh, husband. Um, and for me, that's really my bigger vision to, um, to, to create a business that is so automated and so successful that I can just focus on making a difference in the world and I can, you know, fork out a million dollars a year in helping organizations or or basically helping orphans. There's so many of them and it keeps on growing and becomes it's becoming harder and harder to adopt them. So of course um, the the amount of children who will be growing up without a family, which is basically the basic human need, um, is growing exponentially. So this is really my my bigger why. That is really cool. Especially I know nowadays with um in Asia there's a lot of girls that um, you know need to be adopted because of just like the way that the law is over there. Absolutely. And uh, and so really my my aim is to uh, to have um to to make a difference somehow, I haven't sorted out the finer details, but at least um, make adoption not a taboo subject, and um, and um, and become an example. So my husband and I are going to adopt, and hopefully that will, uh, you know, will will serve as an example for our community that uh, there's nothing taboo about it. Um, it's actually a, a very important humanitarian cause. So what, what do you, why do you think that adoption is so expensive? Uh, adoption is so expensive. I think, I think that it's, it's a way to pre-qualify people. I, I think, uh, to, to make sure that the people who adopt have the right reasons. Again, I don't think it's the best way to do it, but I think that's, um, that's what's been happening. All right. So are you, um, early bird, Night owl or early owl? <laughs> I got the last time when it's, you go in between the two. <laughs> I'm a, I'm an early bird. I'm an early bird. I'm the most productive between seven a.m. and ten a.m. So I uh, make sure I wake up quite early so I get the most important things. Or at least the um, uh, not the most important things, but the um, the, the most hard to produce things out of the way early in the morning. Hmm. That that is good. I had one of our um, guests, a mentor of mine, um, Misty Misty Lone. She, you know, I interviewed her um, a couple of weeks ago, and she was she was explaining how depending on the work that she has to do, you know, she would do it some in the morning and some at night. You know, when her brain is just kind of like a different, you know, different zone. So she really would split her work based on that. So that was very interesting. Yeah, that's right. And I split my day in two as well. I exercise in the middle of the day, so then. 
after I exercise, I feel so energized that it's like starting the whole day again. So, um, yeah, everyone has their productive tips. And I think that exercise right in the middle of the day is what works for me. All right, a good transition. So what is your morning routine? My morning routine is, uh, I think it's because... Um, it's early in the year, and I still have my New Year's uh, <laughs> 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 resolutions. But uh, it's um, definitely start the day with green juice in the morning. Um, I think that uh, if I do that, then I feel less guilty if I have a chocolate or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. So, l- limitations, right? Personal limitations. Mm-hmm. What is your What is your view on you know on on, on just limitations in business or in life? Well, that no one should impose them t- onto you, and it happens way too many times. It, start, it starts first at school um, it, with your immediate environment, so um, maybe a bit of cri- criticism by by people that matter the most to you, for example, your parents. So that that I've seen happen a lot, and I've experienced that as well. It can be really meaningless, but it can have a huge impact on how you perceive yourself and therefore how how the results you produce. So um, also at school, uh, some some teachers or, or leaders there at school um, are, are not <laughs> very good at, um, at basically leading. So they'll make comments or compare you to other people. And um, it starts there. It starts at home and at school. And so, uh, as you can see, I'm not a big fan of the educational system. <laughs> this, this, it's very rare that you have um, entrepreneurs being huge fan of the educational system. You know, in the way uh, kids are thought, because at the end of the day, whenever you go into um, the corporate world, you know, you're, you know, in school, you're not really 100% rewarded on creativity. You're rewarded on, you know, are you going to do what other people are doing? You know, if you step out of line, you will be sanctioned. Right, but in the real world, you you rewarded on creativity. Can you think outside the box? We don't want the same thing as everybody else. Absolutely, school definitely doesn't breed um, business owners and entrepreneurs for for two reasons. I find first of all, they they teach you not to copy on each other, right? So it's big sin at school if you copy on someone who's better than you and you copy them, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas it's a rule here in businesses, you, you need to copy success because success leaves clues. So already <laughs> that's faulty. And the, the second one is always threatening, uh, threatening in order to get what you want. So the, for example, the, the teacher will say, do your homework or else you'll be expelled. I'm just making it up, right? But mm-hmm. Or else you'll be expelled, right? And so I noticed that my management style uh, when I when I manage staff, luckily now I have a manager, I don't have to do all that, but initially my management style was like this, well, do this because I said so, do this because that's what we're paying you for. And I had that that sort of aggressive non-management type mm-hmm. style, if you want, and that wouldn't bring me any results, but that's the only way I, this is the only example of leadership I had, which uh, I soon realized that it was from school. So these two things are two things that you're taught at school for 12 years is definitely not something that helps later on if you have a business. All right, Karina. So let's go into a time in, in your life where you limited yourself. You're like, oh, no, this is Karina. This is me. Like, I, I did this. Nobody else did this. Like, this is my fault. And I should have done this. You know, take us there. You know, give us the story and how and what you did to kind of get out of it. Well, it was at first when I started uh, the, the company, 
and sales were rolling in to the point where it was obvious it wasn't going to be a, a one-man show. I couldn't carry the, the, the so many sales just on my own, and my fear of fear of that not lasting, the, the fear that this is just um, temporary, mm-hmm. the sales will dry up. That, that, that constant that constant fear that you know that's not going to last kind of thing stopped me from scaling the business. Stopped me from hiring people. Um, in time so I had to I was telling people I was turning customers away just because I was scared of growing the company and employing staff so that was definitely a big limitation it cost me a lot Hmm. yeah definitely I think the the imposter syndrome from you know for most entrepreneur right which is like you know why you know first of all like you know what why me you know what will people come to me to do this and this is too good to be true you hear that a lot, especially when you start. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so let's shift gears. Um, in terms of like, you know, other people, have you ever had a time where somebody tried to limit you or, or did succeed in, in, you know, and limit you? Many times, many times. It first started, um, I used to work as an assistant television producer. So it was my dream job at the time since I was 15 years old. My dream was to become a television producer. And I think it's just because I, I like watching TV, but that's another story. So I had that dream, I had that, that vision for myself that I would be this really great television producer. So I went and studied t- uh, TV production in London. So um, the biggest waste of my time, but <laughs> let's not talk about that. So I, I did that and I-, I was told by industry experts that in order to get a foot in the door, you have to you have to work for free. So I went ahead and worked for free for two years and then I was lucky enough to get a few contracts in, in the television industry. So finally I was I was getting paid for working 16 hours a day. And um, and so when I was 25 years old, it was right in the middle of the financial crisis and the, one of the biggest ones really. So it was I think back in 2008 or 2009 and, um, and my boss asked me to come to his office and I, I could sense that there was something wrong. I could already they were downsizing the company and I thought, hmm, it might be my turn now to go as well. So he asked me to go to his office, and um, and uh, he made me redundant. And uh, I, re- my, you know, the world fell out of my feet uh, that day. And um, I, uh, I remember thinking, what am I going to do with myself? Everyone's downsizing. This is never, I'm never going to have a job again, at least not for the next few years. What am I going to do? And um, and I remember thinking to myself, oh, maybe I'll just go back to waitressing or something like that. And um, and and I think that it that this self doubt came from the fact that it was the fifth time I was being made redundant. So it was the the fifth company that was making me redundant. Mm-hmm. And I think that it did something to my confidence. So every time I would be, um, I say redundant because I don't like the word fired. <laughs> <laughs> Every time, um, it, was, it was another hit for my self-confidence. And the fifth time, I think, was the last one where I thought, well, I'm a good for nothing. If they, um, if I was really good at adding value to this company, they would have kept me regardless of the market situation. And so that was the, the last time I ever thought like that in such a limiting way. Because after that, um, 
very shortly after I um, I built my company, uh, which is now valued at a few million dollars. So, yeah, not too bad. <laughs> not too bad. <laughs> so, what, what do you what do you think is you know like what do you think? Um, what what is the one thing that you you believe like you think of that other people don't think of? Right, like what? What is that one thing that you think like this is like? I think about this, and most people don't think like that. It's a uh, work ethics. I I have very strong work ethics, and um, and I noticed that not a lot of people have it. I'll give you just a very basic example. Okay. Um, the we we have a, a sales team, and um, I have a sales manager, and um, and. Every month we recruit people for the for the sales team, and so we organize a recruitment day, which is a day where candidates come and we interview them and we assess them. And um, sometimes candidates just don't show up and don't show up at the interview and don't pick up the phone or don't call afterwards to apologize or anything for not showing up and basically wasting uh, our time. Mm-hmm. And so it it just made me realize that. Um, there are only a few people around that have such strong work ethics that work ethics is not um, not to be taken for granted. Only a few people have it, and I've experienced that. That's just an example with with the sales team during recruitment days, but it, it happens all the time. I see I see flaws in 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 the way uh, in the way people work or don't work not enough strong work ethics and a lot of people don't honor their word. So for them, their word doesn't mean anything. So they'll say, I'll be there at 9 a.m. for the scheduled interview and then they're not. So people not taking the, um, their own word, not seriously. Mm-hmm. So I think these are the two things that set me apart and set a few people apart, people who honor their word and who have strong work ethics. And that's something that I, I do quite differently because for me, Work ethics and honoring your word is just the basic. If if you want to make something of yourself, yes, that and I think, like you said, a lot of people don't, you know, nowadays don't always, um, you know, stick with 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 their word. Right? I tell you this, I'm gonna do it, regardless of if it, you know, if 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 it is late to whatever I said I was going to do it, I'm gonna go ahead and commit, commit to it. All right, so let's let's uh, shift gear. Um, I know your expertise is in uh, social media, right? So let's go and shift gear and and go into the mind of let's say a small business owner. Okay, what are the fears that most you know business owners? We're gonna think like you know small, medium sized business owners, you know, have about social media. They know they need to be on it. They know there's so many out there. So you know, what do you think are some of the fears that stop small business owners from being on social media? The main one that I see um, people sharing most of the time is the fact that as soon as they are on it, they're open to cr- more criticism. So uh, basically um, uh, basically a- allowing people to leave feedback on their Facebook page or criticizing them or, or starting a conversation uh, that is damaging to their reputation. So I think I think that that's the main fear they have. And it's, st- it's stopping them from being on social media. It's stopping them from um, from leveraging the power of social media. It's just from the, f- the fear of being open to criticism. All right. So what do you think is, um, you know, the antidote you know, to that? It's, it's reputation management. So you, you can turn around 
uh, if you're smart, you'll turn around bad reviews into um, into a, a positive PR campaign for yourself, or you'll you'll turn it into um, in, into humor. If you're creative, you can turn things around, or you, you can turn a critic into a brand evangelist if you're um, if you're creative enough. So. Also, it's an invitation to show that actually you, you do value customers and uh, and their feedback means a lot to you. So you can respond quickly to them, apologize and find a solution uh, for them. So for me, feedback is always an opportunity for me to improve and the company to improve. And when someone tells me, feed, you know, gives me feedback, I'm like, yeah, tell me more. Uh, it, it, it's valuable. It, it hurts. Sometimes it can hurt, of course, because it, sometimes it's your pride that's been hurt. But it's... um. It's also if if you're creative and smart and don't don't take it personally, you can really turn it around, show the rest of the world that you care about your customers, that you you want to fix problems, you want to improve, that their views are welcome, and um, and that's how when I talk to business owners who are, who are a bit reluctant to be on social media, I tell them stories about how there was a there was a company I forgot the name. Um, that received a bad review on Facebook and because it was answered with humor, the whole thing went viral. So it's things like that and can happen all the time. Okay. So, you know, being a small business owner myself, right, I know that um, social media is important, right? I know that this is where a lot of that behind the scenes sometimes needs to happen, but there are so many out there, right? I know numerous business owners that are dread so much to get on social media, Right, that probably is their their least favorite um, activity. They know they need to be on, so they're trying to be on, but that's their least favorite activity. So, what can uh, a small business owner do, you know, to um, you know, to kind of let? Because obviously, they don't have a lot. You know, if you don't have a big team, you don't have a lot of time. You don't always want to delegate someone to do it right away because you're nervous that hey, this is public, right? If you mm. if you really say something that I don't want you to say then this is going to damage our brand even more, right? So what is your yeah. advice, you know, uh, in terms of social media, you know, for a small business owner? Well, my advice would be to hire an agency like ours. So I don't want to be self-promoting myself, but just just in a nutshell, what we do is we manage businesses' social media. So that way they don't have to hire someone in-house, which can be really expensive, and they don't have to let, let it be done by someone in-house who maybe doesn't have the skills or the education about social media. So I think social media agencies are the best solution. They have they have ser- services and packages that can be adapted to your needs. And I think that's the smartest way because you're not just paying for the service, you're paying for the skill and the education. And, um, and you know it's going to be done right. You know it's going to be done consistently. So I... I would tell them to do that. Uh, too many times when I go to businesses or the sales consultants go to businesses and they they, they pitch the service, the um, the business owners say, "Oh, it's fine. Our receptionist, you know, Angela is doing it." And um, usually we say, "Well, that's why we're talking to you. Have you seen? Have you seen? You know, the quality of the work?" Um, because it, it has nothing to do with the person. I'm sure the person who's managing that social media has the best intention, but just the, just the lack of skill and, and the the lack of knowledge about social media um, that that can cost uh, the company. It's uh, they think they're saving money by 
giving the the work to someone in-house already but really it can cost them it can cost them in terms in terms of sales and in terms of reputation okay so let's let's uh, change gear again right let's go back to you a little bit um, what was a time where um, like you were fearful but did it anyway like how how did you do that what was that time and how did you do it yeah, well, it, it was when I had to make a decision about scaling the business. And I was scared because, of course, you know, the more you scale, the more open you are to challenges. And so uh, it was to make a $100,000 investment to, to grow the company, meaning bring um, more staff. Um, and, um, and you know, um, the, in order to scale a company, you have to have A players. Mm-hmm. And um, and at that time when I was thinking, well, shall I remain small and just be happy and sleep at night, <laughs> or shall I, or shall I scale the business and do whatever it takes to take it to where I, I really wanted to go? And so I had that um, this these conflicting ideas and, and and thoughts in my mind for quite a while, and then I I came across one of Steve Jobs' old interviews that have haven't been shared a lot not a lot of people have seen I don't know where I found that interview but it, it was an interview I think that was never broadcast or something like that and I came across that interview and um, and he uh, he says at some point he talks about having A players where he only built a team of A players and he said what's great about having A players is that they like hanging out with A players. And I know as basic as this may sound and as obvious as it may sound, it it's sort of shifted something. In my mind I thought mm, this is a sign. I need to I need to hire a, an A player and that A player is going to hire more A players. And that's exactly what I did. And and since then we've been able to scale the business. And it was just just um validation I needed, that confirmation I needed that I got from watching that interview. And I wasn't even looking for validation or confirmation at the time. I just came across that interview just by by chance. And um, and that sentence he said, then uh, I, dis I, I made the decision, that's it, I'm going to scale and I'm going to scale by hiring an A player who then will be hanging out with more A players. And, and I haven't looked back since. <laughs> All right, so I have a couple of questions for you on, um, on video streaming, right? Because mm -hmm. we know this is, this is kind of the, um, I'm not going to say 2016 is the age of the TV to some extent, right? The online TV. But you do see the huge shift now with Periscope, Blab, um, you know, those kind of medium. And those do have a huge impact on um, small businesses, I believe, right? Those that can um, leverage those platforms the best, I think, will have a huge advantage. So what is your take on that and how can a small business um, kind of leverage those platforms? Well, video is going to become bigger and bigger and just because of the speed of the internet now and because people prefer consuming information through video than any other media. So it's going to get bigger and bigger. So I would tell businesses spend more time and money creating video content than any other form of content just because it's going to be bigger and that's what people like. So, you know, for, for me in business, it's always give people what they like and then you get rich like that. And, and it, it applies with video. People want video, give it to them. That's what they like. Mm -hmm. That's what they want. That's what they're after. And there's no excuse now because it's never been cheaper to produce video. I mean, I produce videos 
broadcast broadcast quality videos with my iPhone. So there's no excuse now that the production costs are next to nothing, and the platforms to broadcast that are are free most of them. So um, I would definitely tell them to do that. And again, going back to social media, Facebook absolutely loves video. They give priority to people who have video content. By give priority, I mean they're more likely to increase your reach on Facebook if if you're posting video. They there's a rumor that they want to become the next YouTube. So mm. it's it's an opportunity now. It's a it's a big opportunity. So um, having a, a YouTube channel, let's say a hundred videos, definitely definitely uh, will set you apart from any other business. Creating regular good content uh, content rich videos is definitely the way to go, and it will only get bigger. So I know there's most likely some people you know want to ask that question because um, there's there's constantly that that back and forth. Is it better to upload videos directly to Facebook or is it better to share your YouTube link? Hmm. It's uh, Facebook prefers if you upload it directly onto Facebook because you know YouTube belongs to Google. They're not a big fan. They're in competition, so they will prefer if you upload it to Facebook rather than put a YouTube link. Okay. But again, you can do both. It, it wouldn't make a big difference. It uh, it wouldn't make a, a huge difference. Um, I do both. I upload them on Facebook and upload them on on YouTube as well. All right. So let's go into um, action plan. Right, because I know you have you most likely. Um, I don't know how often you do it now, but most likely in the beginning you had to do a lot of explaining and giving action plans, um, you know, to owners. Mm-hmm. So, what action plan would you give someone that is stuck in limiting themselves, you know, and or allowing others to limit them in their business, you know, in getting online, you know, with social media? Like, what kind of action plan would you give them? For them to get onto social media in general to scale their business. To scale their business with social media because they know this is a cheap way, right? Like social media, I mean, it's free. So mm-hmm. everybody should be on yeah, there. There's absolutely. no reason why not. But somehow they're still stuck. You know, they don't know what the first step is and they know that everything is moving faster and faster and faster. So they really, there's no progress. There's no happiness. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing we usually do for the businesses we help is we audit whatever they have online. Some some businesses, believe it or not, they're not familiar with what's being said about them online, what's on there. Some people know they have a Facebook page but don't know the logins. I mean, the, what I've seen, have <laughs> yes. been, I've, I've been blown away. So I would audit. Um, I would first audit what's there and what needs improvement, what needs management, uh, one is what needs to be removed, etc. So I would do a a in depth social media audit. I would see well is whatever is seen on on social media a true reflection of who they are, how successful they are, how many customers they they serve, how uh, how good good their customer service is. So things like that is everything aligned because sometimes you can have a huge business that's very successful that serves ten thousand customers a year and then. Uh, on Facebook, for example, they have six fans and one bad review, mm-hmm. you know? So I would first do an audit and see, well, is that a reflection of who they really are? And would make sure that whatever's on the social networks is a direct reflection of who they are, how big they are, how established they are. And I would, I would make them look even bigger because social media is also to make you look bigger and better as well. So I would take that opportunity to do that as well. And, and then I, I would uh, I would have to ask the business owner, well, 
what is the what is it that you want to achieve on social media because every business has different needs for for some of them it's lead generation because they generate a lot of leads from from social media and they want to increase that some of them is they want to increase their audience to to look bigger uh, some some of them they want to use it for traffic because let's say they have an e-commerce site and a lot of their revenue depends on the amount of traffic they get to their e-commerce site so i would just ask what is it that they want to achieve ideally and then i would reverse engineer where in order to do xyz what is it that we need to put in place if they want to generate sales for example i would say well what kind of a sales funnel do we need to set up in order for that to happen um if they wanted to generate uh, traffic i would say well what kind of content do we need to produce in order to to generate that traffic so uh, that's really in a nutshell what i would be doing Great. I was actually taking notes <laughs> on on um, on some of the action steps. All right. So let's go into you know as we wind down, let's go into some rapid fire. Okay. Yep. All right. Let's get it. All right. So what online resource um, you know would you recommend to anyone getting into social media? My blog, of course. <laughs> it's updated. It's updated once a week. So every week there's a tutorial. So it goes quite in depth. So there's a video tutorial and a blog post that goes in detail uh, and gives one social media tip for businesses. So definitely my blog. Um, people can find my blog on socialmediaworldwide.com forward slash blog. And um, there, there's going to be all the resources that you need in order to educate yourself about social media and, and really leverage its power. There's also our YouTube channel, uh, SMW Online, which, uh, sorry, not SMW Online, uh, Social Media Worldwide. Sorry, that's the name of the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the tutorials are there as well if uh, people prefer just watching videos. What book would you recommend on social media? Uh, what book would I recommend? Um, I wouldn't really recommend a social media book be- for many reasons. First of all, because um, it gets um, outdated quite fast because social media changes really fast. So I don't want to um, uh, mention one and then people grab it and it's outdated because things happen so fast. But in terms of marketing in general, I would say changing the channel. That's a great book. It's called Changing the Channel. It's about leveraging all forms of media on online, not just not just social media, but other forms that that um, work hand in hand with social media. So it's called Changing the Channel. Changing the Channel. Awesome. I have not heard of that book yet. <laughs> all right. So, um, Karina, so if you were unlimited, without limits, could not fail, right? Yeah. What would you do in the next seven days? In, in the next seven days, I, th- I think that I would, um, I, would, I would probably create uh, one of the biggest charity events to raise awareness about you know, the cause I'm the most passionate about, which is um, getting a home for every orphan in the world. So I would probably do that and do whatever it takes to get as many people on board um, and... Um, and aware, really, to raise people's awareness about that huge humanitarian crisis that we have, but that not not a lot of people are talking about, because uh, a lot of other crises have have um, more appeal, more talked about in the media. So I, I would do that. 
Bam, that's what I was expecting you to say. <laughs> awesome. Well, we are here towards the end of our, our time together. So give us one parting piece of guidance and the best way we can support you. And if someone wants to reach out, how can they do so? Yes. So um, the, bef before I get into how people can contact us, I would say that uh, with social media, my, my last piece of advice is... Um, that it's, it's very easy to uh, to get overwhelmed, and um, because of all the information that's coming uh, that's coming to us, so so many people talk about social media and, and try to educate other people about social media, and it can be quite overwhelming. And I think that the best education is doing it yourself. So yes, go and and learn about it, but then execute because that's the best way to learn and get results. So that's my last piece of advice because I know that social media can become so overwhelming, especially especially if you check out my blog and you see. Oh, all the strategies that are available, it, it tends to overwhelm people and then freeze them from doing anything. So uh, that's my last piece of advice. And in terms of contacting me, um, Facebook, of course, uh, it's facebook.com forward slash SMW online. So SMW stands for Social Media Worldwide. So facebook.com forward slash SMW online, my Twitter handle, SMW online, or um, on our website directly, socialmediaworldwide.com. Awesome. Well, Karina, thank you so much again for being our guide on this path to Unlimited. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode with Karina Essa, just an amazing woman. Make sure to go and check her out and support her business. And also make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Um, it really helps us spread this message of possibilities that whatever you can think of, you can accomplish. And also, go to tptunlimited.com, subscribe to the newsletter so you can be notified of new episodes. And as a reward, you receive um, our book called 21 Days to Unlimited, How to Accomplish Your Goals and Unlock Your Unlimited Potential in 21 Days. Accept compliments from everyone, limitations from the one. Love you guys. Bye.